Great, love having these prophetic words shared. Please always feel feel free as we worship. Um, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? God speaks to us, and, and, and this is part of the richness we're growing in. So I feel, um, so we're, we're, doing, we're on a series in, on Acts, and we're looking at Acts 3. haven't got the little, um, can you get that the PowerPoint up, Dan? Um, we're looking at Acts 3, three different lenses, and, and what Grace was saying about expecting there to be increasing um, prophetic insights and revelation amongst us this is one of those lenses that we're looking at the book of Acts through. How can we grow as a people of power in the in the power of the Holy Spirit? We're also looking at um, Acts as a people gather around God's presence, people who gather around prayer and um, times and places of prayer, and, and kind of move out from there. And they move out from that from that prayer into the into the purposes of God. That's our third lens. So power presence and purposes and the purposes is kind of the mission the kind of sending out that happens and so today we're in Acts chapter 4 and I, I, I personally feel that we're, we're in quite an exciting season of hope um, and I, you know if you know me I, I often get excited about things I'm an enthusiastic person um, I, see, I see life as an adventure to be lived so I do tend to be enthusiastic and excited about life a lot of the time uh, but, I, but, I, but I feel there's a greater level of clarity uh, in, in what God's saying to us as a church uh, in this season, and I've really had um, since since we've been pastors of the church, I I feel the picture is becoming clearer of what God is building here um, than it than it ever has for me before. And I think that's really exciting. And one of the one of the ways we are as a church is um, is that we we all all those of us who are part of Hope are um, journey together very much as a community as a, as a church family, and so it's likely that God will be speaking to you. Um, similarly, uh, pieces of this jigsaw. So I'm wanting to share this stuff this morning in a fairly unformed way. And often we like to present this as the, this is the grand plan. And, and this is not that. But this is a, a hunch of what God's saying to us. Um, and it's inviting you to speak prophetically into it, to be praying, to say, does that resonate with us? Do we think God's in this or not? And, um, so that's a, a bit of a theme for, for what we're going to go through. I also like when I do a talk, I really like to have a little catchphrase, a little sort of, um, what's the sort of word, sort of nuggets, a sort of phrase that sums it up. And I haven't really got one for this talk. Um, but I've got a, a concept, which we'll see as we look at Acts chapter 4. And, the, and I can describe the concept, but I, if anyone can succinctly put it into a, a snappy little few words, then we could adopt that, maybe. Um, but the kind of concept is this. You know, box, let's think of a boxing match, and you've got the boxer is in the ring, and he's, and he's fighting doing his round. And then at the end of the round, he comes back and he sits in his corner, doesn't he? And he um, and his corner is the place where his team are with him. It's a safe place, out of the gunfire. And it's the place where he gets a drink, he gets refreshed, he gets towed down. His team might say, do this or do that. Or they might say, actually, you've had it, mate. <laughs> put, put, throw in the towel. Time's up. You're going to get destroyed. Or actually, you're really on the, you know, just just press on through. Cheers, cheers him on. And it's that kind of concept of, of I think, of church being... Um, our, your corner that cheers you on and supports you. And is that, that, that's what I think, um, what is the kind of nugget of the message today around, around how we be as church together. We kind of be the, maybe another, maybe another example would be like a, let's say, a, um, let's think of a Cornish fishing village and the, and the, and the boats go out into the, um, that's Mausel, isn't it? Mal, that's a little, 
little harbour. Uh, the fishing boats go out into the seas, deep water, um, aggressive um, storms and things sometimes, and they come back into that place of safe harbour where the nets are um, the, 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 the unloaded and, the, and repaired and where the, the boats are repaired and so on. And it's a similar sort of thing, a sort of place of safety and encouragement and refueling and preparation to go out again. And I think there's something in that um, uh, which is uh, God's design for church. And I'm speaking church generally here rather than specifically at Hope, although it obviously applies to us as well. Okay. Anyone got any little snap, snappy phrase for that? No pressure. I've been thinking all week. <laughs> Perhaps it will come to one of us. Um, let's have a look now at our passage, which is Acts chapter 4. Can I just borrow a Bible? Um, in fact, we'll leave it on there. Go to Acts chapter 4. And shout out a page number if you've got one. Five eight six, nine eight six in a red colour Bible. Nine hundred and six. Let's be really clear. Sorry. Okay. Nine hundred and six. Yep, I got that as well. So it's Acts chapter four. And we're just going to read the first. Um, the, does anyone like to read? Cat, you sort of wriggled your hands. Do you like to read? Yeah. Do you fancy it? <laughs> I know. It's, it's enough. Oh dear, you're going to be sick of my voice. Right. <laughs> While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the leading priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees came over to them. They were very disturbed that Peter and John were claiming on the authority of Jesus that there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, jailed them until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of believers totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Leaders and elders of our nation, are we being questioned because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed in the name and power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since the man who had been healed was standing right there among them, the council had nothing to say. So they sent Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny they have done a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But perhaps we can stop them from spreading their propaganda. We'll warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. 
So they called the apostles back in and told them never again to speak or teach about Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about the wonderful things we've seen and heard. The council threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John found the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Then all the believers were united as they lifted their voices in prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, King David, your servant, saying, Why did the nations rage? Why did the people waste their time with futile plans? The kings of earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. This is what has happened here in this city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and all the people of Israel were united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. In fact, everything they did occurred according to your eternal will and plan. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give your servants great boldness in their preaching. Send your healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer... The meeting where they were meet, the building where they were meeting shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached God's message with boldness. Sally. Well done, Kat, thanks. <laughs> Teach you to scratch and <laughs> So uh, so last week Alice was talking on Acts chapter three, and she was talking already at the start of this incident. She was saying how Peter and John had this regular rhythm of life whereby they went to the, the temple to pray each day. And that sort of regular rhythm was interrupted by the Holy Spirit when they come across this beggar and the Lord prompts them to heal him. And this is really, just things just escalated from that moment on. So they end up talking to the whole crowd and then the, uh, the temple guard and the priests and uh, the sort of uh, Pharisees or the, the temple, the, the official teachers and so on are all involved. And it just kind of just kind of spirals. This this is one incident just just escalates, and uh, and then chapter chapter four goes through how they end up in prison, and then we see um, they're released from prison, and they and they come back to their they come back to their people. And I think this is that the, the boxer had been in the ring, um, been been fighting, comes back to his corner. They come back to their their believers, um, and and that and that and that place and that space there, they can. Relax, you know, and just sit back and they can say, this is what's happened. Gosh, isn't God amazing what he's been doing amongst us? But, but it's been pretty full on. It's been quite an intense couple of days. And they can pray for each other and they can say, God, continue to, to equip us and send us out in this power. And isn't it great that the, um, it says that the verse 31, after this prayer, the building where they were meeting shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached God's message with boldness. And this is, um, What's your experience of coming here on a Sunday morning? Our, our prayer, our desire is that it's like that. Is that it's like um, the disciples coming back from being out there in the world, fiercely, um, boldly proclaiming the life, the, me- the message, the hope, the, the transformational power of Jesus. And then they come back together for this time of, time of um, ah, with my family. I'm in a safe place. 
in a place where I can be encouraged, refreshed, recharged. That's our, that's our dream is for, for what these gatherings are like. There are times when, uh, wouldn't it be great to have the, I don't know how the windows would survive, but it'd be great if the, the building was physically shaken by the, by the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. I think we have these prophetic words coming out and that's a, you know, it's a starting of these things. We want to grow more in these things because we're, 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 we're dreaming big dreams as a church, aren't we? And we, ha- and we're, we have a real Im- uh, influence across the city, across the region and so on. And, uh, and, uh, and we're, and we're, and we're pressing in, pressing into God. But I think in some ways, it's nice to say that, and um, um, it, I think Peter had it a bit easier than we do, um, he says boldly, in that, in that um, he lived kind of in the middle of revival. He'd, he'd been with Jesus for three years, hadn't he? He'd sort of watched everything happen, been there when it was all happening. He's there on Pentecost, just a, not, not, not long before this incident, when the Holy Spirit powerfully came, came out on the, on the believers, and... Um, yeah, it's pretty easy then healing a beg- you know healing this beggar guy in, 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 in response to that, isn't it? I told my grandfather when I was about 19, 18 years old, he was crippled in his knees with arthritis. I told him to get up and walk in the name of Jesus, and it was I was crying as I did it. I'd been preparing for weeks, and um, and he he got up and with his inner frame and tried to shuffle across the room, and was in agony and he sat down again and uh, he wasn't healed. But um, we have stories amongst us, don't we, of prayers that we prayed for many years. Um, uh, and we haven't seen we haven't seen things answered yet, so I don't want to glibly say it's um, it's do we just do what Peter did and uh, boom off we go we get these extraordinary interventions. It's not it's not as simple as that. And actually, we do live in a in a time when uh, which is harder. And it's right to say that we don't want to just pretend everything is great and every prayer is answered. But how do we so how do we respond? Do we think oh gosh, Peter's Peter's out there is the gold standard, which we don't really come close to. We'll just check out. We won't go there. It's too painful to go there. We, it hasn't worked. Um, someone that I find uh, inspiring, or a, a movement that I find inspiring, I think I've got it on the PowerPoint just here. We sent this out uh, in, the, in our fortnightly email lo- last week, is um, the, the Moravians, um, who are people in Germany, um, going back to sort of 15th century, and uh, they were a community of Christians um, in sort of northeastern Europe who were really persecuted for their faith. At a time when the church was very institutionalized, there was a lot of corruption and sort of religion mixed up with, uh, with, with, with Christianity such that the kind of truths and the simplicity of following Jesus had really been robbed and replaced with just the sort of power structures and so on. And the Moravians were people who really took the Bible seriously for who Jesus is and, and what he says and lived out his teachings in a simple and a real way. Uh, but as a result, they were really persecuted for it and they had a, a shocking time. Uh, in 1722... Um, a man called Count Zinzendorf, a German uh, uh, sort of high-class man, had lots of uh, land and so on, uh, invited and welcomed this Moravian community of Christians to come and live on some of his land. And, they, and this, is, uh, this is it now. Uh, they formed a village and then it grew into a town. It's called Hernhut. And um, there's a picture there of their, one of their prayer chapels. And uh, these, as they formed this community, apparently to start with it was pretty terrible. Um, there were lots of factions. There was hatred between each other. And uh, so this isn't really the, this isn't the kind of Peter type time, is it? This is not the uh, this isn't the sort of glory of Acts chapter three, chapter four. But these are these are Christian people uh, following the teachings of Jesus, and they they gather in uh, in in, in Hernhut village, and um, and they have a time actually when the Holy Spirit comes on them as a community, a bit like Pentecost. 
And it says that they learnt to love each other. They would change from being um, people that had factions and, and, and hatred and so on into people that loved each other. And they went on to pray 24-7 for 100 years. And they prayed every day continuously uh, for 100 years. And uh, and after five years of that, they, they felt the Lord say to start sending out missionaries. So they sent out about 300 missionaries all around the world um, coming from this place of prayer. And including, I don't know if you've heard of John Wesley. John Wesley started the Methodist, founder of the Methodist Church in the 18th century. So the whole of England, it's not, it's not exaggerating to say the whole of England was changed by his preaching and, and, and the ministry of his. And he was, experienced the power and the presence and the reality of God through these, these praying Moravian people. So I, I think, I feel like for us as a church here at Hope, part of the design on us that God has said when Hope Chapel first started almost 20 years ago now was to be a, a place of prayer for the city. And we're finding such life at the moment in um, in having this uh, one month, one day a, a month, the uh, first Tuesday of each month, we're having our 24 hours of prayer as a church. And uh, I don't know what your experience of that is, but we're finding such life and such joy in it. And it's working so well. And I wonder if there's a, a rumbling, a stirring here. Is this the starting point of God leading us into into a, a, you know another development of this this, this dream, this vision? So I think um, I think we see ourselves slightly between the kind of Acts chapter three glory of Peter and the bleakness of the Moravians initially. And so I think we're seeing some encouraging things happening here already. Uh, just as the Moravians, after five years, started sending out the first Protestant missionaries, we're already sending out missionaries, aren't we, with our boats, uh, in, our, in our workplaces. We recognize that our communities, that our workplaces and so on, are our places of mission. And we're already engaging in that sort of mission. And this place of prayer is a um, is, the, is, the, is the fueling point, really, to, to, to connect with God, to, to, to see these things change. We had a great um, time on Thursday. This is, uh, Simon organized this in, um, in Temple Key. I don't know if you can see it, a few hopers in there. This is called, uh, called the Prayer Barge, Upper Reaches. It's a, it's a, um, a barge which has been converted for prayer and it's parked up in the middle of Temple Key on the river. That's great, it's in the middle of all those companies and business places there. Oh, sorry. Um, to get to, uh, to gather and pray. We had a, had an hour of lunchtime prayer. Um, it's going to be a monthly thing on a Thursday. Thursday there. So the Moravians, I think, are, 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 an, are, are an inspiration to us. And I feel like there's a relevance to their story, which, not, not that we're going to try and copy them or do something the same as them, just as we don't try and copy the, the people in the book of Acts, but, we, but we're inspired by them. We look to Jesus uh, in light of their inspiration to say, Lord, what are you doing here? And then the last bit of um, another sort of picture, which um, I've been reading about recently, is this, uh, is this concept of minsters. And this goes back even before the Moravians to Anglo-Saxon Britain. And uh, at that time, um, it was before there were sort of parish churches like Anglican churches established around the country. And the first um, buildings that Christians built were called minsters. And there's something in between a, a kind of a monastery or a convent, as we have them now, which is you know, like a kind of closed community where monks or nuns really retreat from society and live in isolation. Uh, something between that and then between the kind of parish church model where if you think of the sort of Anglican church where, where, where the, um, it serves the very local geographical community around them and people would be christened and um, married and buried and, and, uh, uh, and go to the church for all sorts of stuff. You know, that's the, that's the sort of... The, um, a minster is somewhere kind of in the middle of those two things. And what they were is they would be places... In fact, I've got it on here. They've got... Um, 
these sort of six characteristics would be uh, would be there for ministers. There'd be a places of prayer. People would come from the region, not just the sort of immediate locality. And I'm conscious that those of us here, we've got Clevedonites here amongst us, and 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 uh, Yates. Most Laura's around Yates somewhere, and and um, uh, Backwell. Lots of Long Ashton folk. And you know, we're not we're not just people that walk to Hope Chapel, are we? From our from our homes, we're from right across the the city and and the and the area around us around Bristol. Uh, and we come together to worship and to pray. Creativity was another feature of um, of the minsters, and I just love having this art. And uh, we've got various other paintings and, and, and creativity and music around around the building. Mission. So 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 the, the people would come to the uh, to the minster, and they would be sent out to the regions around, as recognising them as missionaries in their workplaces, communities, and so on. Pilgrimage. Oh, sorry, justice. So again, God's given us a, a heart, doesn't need a prayer for people on the margins of society. So we run a uh, food bank here and we go out and feed people in the soup run and, 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 and things like that. Pilgrimage was really around people coming to this building to, um, to pray and to worship and to gather. And I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've for a long time struggled with the idea of thinking of Hope Chapel as a special building. Some people, people have referred to it as a temple sometimes and I'm like, no, that's not right. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, the New Testament way is that God's people are the temple, the place where God dwells. But actually, there is also um, there is, there is also throughout church history a recognition that there are certain thin places, places where uh, where a lot of prayer and worship has happened over time, and God seems to put some favour on a on a location as well. And 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 we certainly find that this building just works so well to resource us as a church, doesn't it? As a gathering place like this. But like on a so on a Monday night, we'll have celebrate recovery in the crypts, and we'll have uh, Josh dancing and doing dancing classes uh, here on Monday evening. Uh, other times we'll have prayer meetings happening in the prayer centre while children are in here and various various groups and, and, and it sounds a lot like a minster, the way this building building works. And uh, pilgrimage is people coming to the coming to the space and community is the hospitality, um, sharing food and so on. I've said it again, but do come and join us on a Wednesday lunchtime for some delicious soup from Aaron if you'd like to. That's twelve thirty every Wednesday. You'd be really welcome. But that's another 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 sort of. Um, Forming image, I just wanted to share with you. I uh, wonder if, if God's speaking to us about Hope Chapel as a building and about how we, because um, I've got all these questions about how do we, how do we grow um, as a church? We're getting a bit more full on a Sunday. What do we do with that? Do we start a second service? Um, you know, what, or do we go and plant a church somewhere else? Perhaps if this minster thing is, 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 um, is of the Lord, then that might speak into us a bit about what growth looks like. Does it look like further building a, a, a system of prayer? Does it look like further gather, gatherings during the week? And uh, these, these are all questions. And um, uh, But on well, my personal sense, and Alice and I have been chatting with Andrew and Rebecca and the elders a little bit as well and a few others, uh, see, that we think there's something on this. And um, So could we we'll, we'll finish there? And it, rather than just it being about now, uh, love to invite you to consider that in in prayer. Um, the, these these our rhythms of prayer as a church are coming together into this space and then going out uh, in, in, into our localities wherever wherever we're based. So I just welcome you to to bring anything you think God's saying. Let's pray now, can we? Lord, so uh, we we're inspired by. The, the things in the past, the, the things you did in the in the early church in the book of Acts, the way Peter and, and the others, they had this rhythm 
it was interrupted by the, the power of the Spirit, and they would come back and they would gather um, as church to cheer each other on, support each other, like being the people in their corner. And then they'd go out again, uh, sharing this hope, bringing this transformational power of Jesus wherever they went. And Lord, you know, perhaps you're speaking to us about uh, inspiring us through the Moravians and, 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 and Minster. Maybe this is part of the way that our four dreams as a church, to be a church children love, to be an authentic community, to be a people of, uh, of prayer and to be uh, a place of hope, people on the margins of society. Perhaps all of these things come together uh, in this. And we, we pray that we invite you to speak to us more on it and lead us as a church. And the whole reason we're into this is because we want to see your goodness spread throughout the whole earth. We're conscious that just the, the seed of that commu- small community in Hernhut has sent ripples through the, through, around the world for, um, for centuries since. So will you lead us? Amen. Great. We're going to stop there. Um, I wonder, so Kate Webb has to shoot off and she's doing uh, older kids. So if you've got children with, uh, in that group particularly, could you be a little bit faster of foot than normal? Um, but it'd be great actually to just have a bit of time. Rob, would you be, Rob and Andrew, would you better just come and lead us in worship as well? So um, if, you have to, if you have to shoot off, do bring your children back in here if you'd like to. But let's have, can we have a moment now of, uh, of, um, of just bringing that before the Lord and just holding it before the Lord? Could we, could I be bold just to ask you to stand and, and, uh, Holy Spirit, we pray you, you speak to us now. Just as we, as we worship. Over the next few weeks, we'd love to hear, um, what you, what you say about this, but also now, just ask for some immediate, um, prophetic uh, insight from you. What do you say, Lord? Oh, it's a bit random. <laughs> I just um, get a sense, like, I'm just reminded of how Bristol is a merchant, was a merchant city, and that uh, as much as it's about us going out welcoming things from other other cultures, other countries that they have great riches and that almost like we're facilitating the release of that like Bristol would have done years ago There's a word from um, Grace about about um, releasing us from a sense of guilt or or not, not matching up to the standard there is in, in the book of Acts here and uh, so I just want to say, so I guess I'm, I'm the pastor of the church here, so I have some authority over this church and how it runs and, and so on. And I just want to say, uh, we release you to not feel that you have to conform to um, a previous model, uh, it, whether in the Bible or, or church history. Just release you from a sense of any sense of guilt or obligation. And I just repent on behalf of churches for putting heavy yokes on people. So you've got to run our programs. You've got to, you've got to. Um, you know, you've got to sustain us. And so I just, just repent on behalf of, um, of the church, church leadership for having done that. And I just want to say that uh, we want to release you. We want to facilitate you to be the people of God wherever you are in your different settings. We want to cheer you on. We want to support you. We want 
coming together like this to be that safe harbor, to be that place of celebrating who you are and what you're doing. So I just declare that um, that freedom over us as a church in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I'm just reminded years ago I felt this thing about in Backwell, you know, women dancing in a, in a home, you know, but it never materialised. And I always felt a little bit, of, Ooh, you know, but um. And I'm just reminded by God, you know, like there's a woman now, a Christian woman in the village who said, oh, let's do this. And rather than me go, oh, you know, it didn't happen in my time. <laughs> you know, that actually that's happening now and I need to link in with her. So it's not just like we, we can link in with the Christians from Minster to, you know, already happening, the things that are happening. And she wants to, yeah, we're, we're kind of doing it. It's great. Yeah. So uh, when we started praying, I saw a picture of um, a sunrise, and uh, it kind of reminded me of that song about the house of the rising sun, which I think is about a perhaps less than a less than salubrious um, establishment. But uh, it was kind of that that sort of a feeling of the um, uh, of the, the the exoticness of something that God was doing, something new, something exciting, and that and I saw this kind of sunrise, and I I was pondering on that really. How do you, how do you apply a picture like that, or how do you apply a, um, a sense of something like that being about a, a season of a sunrise? What, what does that actually mean, and how do you respond to it? And um, the, the thought that came to me really is that I think God's wanting to communicate to us this morning a sense of expectancy. He's wanting us to, to raise our expectancy for what is, uh, and, and, to, um, and to alter our poise for what is coming and what is going to happen. And it's not all going to happen very quickly. Like sunrises don't happen immediately. They happen progressively. But that is what's happening. There is a, a progressive shift into a, a kind of a, into a, a new, a new day, a new dawning, a new season. Um, and that's not just for us as a church. I think that's something that God is doing, um, in the whole nation, really, certainly in the, in the city. So the, the question I was just musing on as, as people were prophesying and as, as we were just waiting here for a few moments was, given, given that that's the case, what kind of questions ought we to be asking Holy Spirit? Like often we, we, don't, we don't always get the answers that we need because we don't always know what questions we should be asking. If you sort of mean, like you can you can ask a question and get an answer, but it, if it's the wrong question, you might get the the right answer to the question, but you not might not get the right answer to meet the need, if that makes sense. And so I, I feel like there's an invitation in the run up to you know the during this autumn term in the run up to the end of this year, uh, and then as we we get ready to look on into 2020 in the in the new year, to be asking Holy Spirit to actually give us the questions to ask Him. Holy Spirit, what what should we be asking you about? What particular areas or particular places would you like us to be asking about? And allowing him to kind of in, inform that so that we, we come into the full counsel of God. So uh, I, I just want to pray that, if that's okay with you. And uh, Holy Spirit, I thank you. Um, I'm conscious of uh, the Apostle Paul's prayer in the Bible. It says, I pray above all else that you may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know what the will of God is. And you may be able to test and approve what the will of God is. And uh, Holy Spirit, thank you. You are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we do have you. And more importantly, you have us. And so I pray that from here on in, you would even begin to redefine the questions in our own hearts 
hearts and our own minds and our own conversations, that you would direct us to ask of you what we need to ask uh, in, in order to lead us in the right direction. And we want to embrace that uh, that season of sunrise and that, at a time when the world is feeling like it's it's dark and it's twilight. Actually, we acknowledge that it's sunrise for us and that that's what we're going to uh, be releasing into the world around us and, and to each other. So we want to uh, disagree with any discouragement, any disappointment, any despondency. And we agree with uh, hope, with expectancy, uh, with joy, with a future that looks bright, not a future that looks frightening. Amen. So Lord, we ask you to lead us as a church. Thank you for the privilege of being part of this. So, Lord, thank you for this time of being together. And we bless us now as we go out into our, into our weeks, into our homes, communities, workplaces, wherever we are, places of learning. Bless us to go with your message, with your hope, with the, the fire of Jesus inside us. May we see your kingdom come, particularly lift up the difficult places and the places which it feels like continually banging on doors and saying, God, break into this place or that feels like ground that's difficult to plough up. We agree with those difficulties and we say that just because it's hard doesn't mean God's not real, he's not there. Bless you in the hard places of your work and of your life. Bless you in uh, overcoming illness. In Jesus' name, Amen.